5. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to begin tonight in verse number 13. Verse number 13, and, be, and read into chapter number 6. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 13, is where we're going to start. Let me... Joshua chapter 5, verse number 13, and we're going to read to verse number 5 in chapter 6. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay. But as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereupon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out. And none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horn. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you tonight. And Lord, I desperately need your help to be able to communicate your word. I just pray that you would, um, you would be glorified tonight, that your word would be communicated, that um, um, we could hear from you, and that um, you would show us things in our lives that need to change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Authority can be a touchy subject. I was listening to the radio. I never thought that I would give a positive illustration from the New England Patriots, being a Giants fan. I never thought I would. But with the Super Bowl coming up, I heard this one statement talking about the long-lasting relationship between Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, and Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots. They had been together, and up to this point, have been together for 17 seasons. During that time, they have been to seven Super Bowls and won five of those. Two of them, they lost to the New York Giants. I, per- I like that. Yeah. But they were, the, um, there was uh, one person talking, and they were talking about how the commentators have been asking Tom Brady, how is it that you, can, you have been with one coach for 17 years? How you've been with that one coach and you've... Is there any conflict? Is there any butting of heads? And he said, no. Our relationship is good. We, um, and 
we are, there hasn't been the blow-up. You look at many other teams and there's a coach or there's this one player. And what do they do? They stay out of camp because they want a bigger contract. They want more money. There's always conflict. They're always butting heads. And this commentator said, this is what Tom Brady said. The reason why we have a good relationship, he's the coach and I'm the player. He's the coach, I'm the player. Because while Tom Brady may have vast insights and knowledge about football, having played for many years, he has incredible talent. But according to, according to that statement, according to Tom Brady, when it comes down to the end of it, he still listens and obeys Bill Belichick. Why? He's the coach. He's the one who's supposed to tell him what he's going to do. In the sports world, how many relationships between players and coaches and how many possible victories have been destroyed because of egos? Either between the coach, either between the player. Now, this is talking on a human level. And humans make mistakes. They can, he can say, he's the, he's the um, coach and I'm the player, but there have been times where Bill Belichick has made the wrong call. Or Bill Belichick has had the wrong game plan. Or Tom Brady has had, didn't listen to his coach. I'm sure there have been times. That's on a human level. If you want to talk about how humans don't always know the best situation, if you're married, just ask your spouse. They will tell them that, yes, you don't always know what you're doing best. Or we can talk to our coworkers and they, and they can tell us, yes, you surely do not always know what you're doing. Just ask someone around you and they will be more than likely happy to tell you how you are not always right. Because we're not. We're humans. We make mistakes. But aren't you glad when we are facing spiritual battles, God never makes mistakes. When we listen to God, we never have to worry about God not knowing what is going on. God always knows what is best. But so often when we are facing something, we're facing a trial, we're facing a battle, what we do is we end up going to our friends or seeking counsel from books or even from our own hearts of how should I, how can I Get victory over this. How can I uh, accomplish what I know God wants to see accomplished in my life? But we begin to seek counsel from everywhere else. We all need victory, but God has already laid out everything in His Word if we will only lose our pride and surrender to His will. You see, Israel, in this chapter, we had, we have, um, if you've been with us as we've been going through the book of Joshua, they've come out of the wilderness they are in, they have finally crossed the Jordan River. They are in the land of Canaan. They just last week, they, um, got some things out of their life that was not in accordance to God's will. And they're facing Jericho. They needed victory over Jericho. You see, Jericho was just the next step for Israel. They had crossed Jordan. They were in the plains of Jericho. That's what was facing him. That was the city immediately in front of them. And now they had, they were spiritually prepared to move forward. They had just spent time celebrating the Passover and getting things out of their life that needed to be gotten out. And the city, at verse, uh, chapter number six, verse number one says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because 
of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. When, um, in the Hebrew, I looked it up, not that I know Hebrew, but in my Bible program I looked it up, and it's, when it's saying straightly shut up, what the, in the Hebrew what it is, is it's shut, shut. It's the same word repeated twice. Just like in Genesis chapter 2 where, it talks, where God talks about how they can eat freely of every tree of the Garden of, of, the garden of Eden except one. It was freely, it's eat, eat. Or when God told Adam, if, when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. It re, in the Hebrew it repeats, die, die. What it is, is expanding on it saying, it's not just shut. It is straightly shut up. It is tied down. They are basically have placed themselves under siege-like conditions. Israel has not surrounded Jericho, but they have placed themselves under almost siege conditions. There's nobody coming out. There's nobody going in. That means there's no food coming out. There's no food going in. They have placed themselves under that. I read... Um, while I was studying for this, I read one commentator and they made an interesting statement that Rahab had received the message when the two spies came. But what did Jericho do? Rahab had heard the same stories that Jericho, that the king of Jericho and the mighty man had heard about the same God. And when the spies came, what did she do? She received them. When Israel crossed Jordan, what did Jericho do? They shut their gates in rejection against God. So they had, it wasn't that Jericho was saying, listen, Israel, we're scared of you because of your God. We want to get to know your God. They said, they shut themselves up and said, we're keeping your God as far away from us as we can. And they sealed themselves off. They had done at, at the last step and separated themselves from God. They set themselves up to be conquered. So Jericho was just the next step. Israel was ready to go. Jericho had sealed themselves off and said, try and take us. In, a, in a, a, almost a statement of defiance, but really fear. So what is Joshua, as he's looking at Jericho, he says, it's time to conquer it. Joshua's preparing Israel to fight the battle. On the eve of the battle is the most trying time. For commander, you talk, or you talk to a coach just before the game. They're, everything is running in their minds a million miles a second. So what does Joshua do? He goes forward. The Bible says in verse, and it came to pass, verse number thirteen of five, chapter five, when Joshua was by Jericho. So here's what Joshua is doing. He's going forward. He's observing the land. He's he's going forward and looking and trying to see. Okay. Um, what are we going to do to conquer this city? He was, he was looking for direction. He wasn't saying, I have this all figured out. He was stepping forward and saying, what needs to happen? He was observing. How many, and if you look at, um, read military history at all, how many battles have been lost because the commander didn't know the land, didn't know where to go? Didn't know where the high ground was. What, whatever the scenario is. Joshua is trying to prepare himself for the battle. Joshua is trying to seek direction from God. And he goes forward and he begins to observe Jericho. And all of a sudden he lifts up his eyes and looked and behold. It's like he's walking around and says, wait a second. There's a guy standing here. 
There's someone standing here. And the, with his sword, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. This was a hostile position. You, how many have ever seen, if you went to Fleet Week or um, been around where the anti-terrorist um, units are out here in the city, and you see um, a NYPD officer, or you see a Marine or a soldier standing there, and they've got their M4 at ready with their extra clips on, and they're standing there in their riot gear. That's not a position where you say, hey, buddy, and you go and you slap them on the back. That's not what you do. There's respect there. Why? Because they're ready for danger. And Joshua comes walking over. He's looking at Jericho. And all of a sudden, he sees a man with a sword drawn. It's not like it's even just in his sheath. He's standing guard duty. It's drawn. He's ready for action. And Joshua... What is Joshua? He goes over in verse number 14, or verse and the end of, with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went unto him. Alright? If you see someone there with their sword drawn in their hand, I'm looking for where's the best escape route. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm not messing with this guy. This is what Joshua does. He sees a guy over there standing with his sword drawn in his hand, and he goes on, he, he goes over to him and says, are you for us or for our adversaries? He challenges him. Because he wants to, he says, we don't want spies around here. We don't want someone who's going to attack us. Someone who's going to cause us trouble. He's standing against him. Joshua challenges him. Joshua wasn't afraid. Joshua was a man of courage. He had fought battles before. He goes up and says, this is what he says, Art thou for us or for your adversaries? Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Joshua's heart is probably pounding right now. He's, he's a little bit nervous, but he's doing what is best for his people. He's making sure there is no danger. But what is the answer he's given? The soldier just says, Joshua asks him, whose side are you on? Soldier says, no. There's some people... The famous answer, somebody asks you a couple questions and you just say yes. Answer to multiple questions. Here the soldier says, no. Are you on my side or are you on their side? Nope. Joshua had to be going, okay. Maybe reaching for his sword. But then he continues, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And what does Joshua do? The Bible says, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Joshua just simply, as soon as he hears, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. Joshua falls on his face. Complete submission. He says, What saith my Lord Unto his servant. Now the idea of saying, I am captain of the host. I'm the commander of the armies of the Lord. I'm the one in charge. Now Joshua was the commander of the armies of Israel. He was the one in charge of Israel. So in comparison, this guy saying, I am the, same, I'm the commander of the armies of the Lord. 
Now, Joshua was the commanders of the armies of Israel. You would say, well, that's the same rank, isn't it? No, it's not. Not at all. Joshua says, I want to join your side. You give the orders. I relinquish my command to you. Joshua is saying, as soon as he hears, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. Boom. He's on his face. In complete submission and surrender to God. And then the captain of the Lord's host said unto him, Joshua, said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. This is, um, um, would be um, the same idea, the same phraseology as you go back to the burning bush with Moses, where God, where God appeared to Moses and said, uh, out of the burning bush, he said, Remove thy shoes, the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Why? Because it's the same person talking. This is God appearing to Joshua and is going to show him how he can experience victory at Jericho. He's going to give him a battle plan. But before God ever gives Joshua how he's going to conquer Jericho, Joshua's on his face before a holy God. Joshua has to understand how holy God is. Joshua had met God. Joshua knew God. Joshua had gone partway up Mount Sinai with Moses. Joshua had been at the tabernacle, had been with Moses, been serving God. But he had to come to a place of submission and worship before God. Here he is on the eve of battle, and he's on his face before God. After that, in verse number 2 one of the reasons, of chapter 6, one of the reasons we know is the Lord. And it says, and the Lord said unto Joshua. So this is, it's tying in, it's the same, same passage. God has appeared to Joshua and said, I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. Joshua falls on his face and says, I want to be on your side, Lord. You give the orders. You tell me what to do. And so the Lord does. Verse number 2 of chapter 6. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. What God is telling Joshua, he says, I've already given you the victory. When he says, see, I have given. The tense of that is, it's, though it's in the future, it's already complete. Though, it's, though it hasn't happened yet, I think of it God thinks of it when he's saying this. I think of it as it's already been done. See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Everything that is opposing you, Joshua, I've already given it to you. It's complete. It's like the battle hasn't even, the battle's already over and won. I've already given you the victory. Then he tells, all right, this is how the victory's going to come out. This is how you are going to experience the victory that I've already promised you. And ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. Now, militarily, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because what they're doing is they're showing Jericho their entire army. They're revealing their entire strength. You know, when you're fighting a battle, that's not something you want to do. Most commanders will do um, 
special marches to show greater show of strength than they have or keep some back, not show how much they have so people, so the other enemy won't know what they have. And here's what the Lord tells Joshua. You take your entire army, everything, march around the city once. God doesn't tell Joshua, besiege the city. Surround it so no reinforcements can get in. Surround it so no food can get in. A normal military strategy. God tells Joshua, take your whole army, march around the city once. For six days. And you're supposed to have, and then in verse number four, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horn, and the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. When God says, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him, that's the same thing. He's going back to what he said in verse number 2. It's the same tense. He's saying, it's as if the walls have already fallen down flat. It says, I'm promising you, as if this has already happened, though it's in the future, it's going to happen. I think of it as if it's already done. The walls of Jericho, which are between you, which are sealed shut, which are as tightly shut, holding you out as they can, they're down flat. And every man's going to go straight up before them. The protection of Jericho is going to be gone. God again promises a sure victory. Do you think Joshua felt a little better now? Absolutely. He had God's plan. He had God's leadership on how he was going to win the battle of Jericho. It wasn't going to be Israel's army. It wasn't going to be because of um, Joshua's great leadership abilities. But Joshua was confident of victory. Was it because Jericho was sealed and all the inhabitants were afraid? They were afraid of us. We're going to have great victory. Was it because he was given a genius battle plan? No. In common sense, walking around the city and the walls falling down usually doesn't happen. Not even to Lego cities. I tried it as a little boy. Okay? What? Why could Joshua be confident of victory? Of the victory he desperately needed. Joshua and the people of Israel could approach the battle of Jericho confident victory because he was submitted to the will of a holy, all-powerful God. It wasn't because he was a great commander. It wasn't because he had a great army. It was because he was submitted to the will of God. Because God had come to him and he said... It's your battle, Lord. You fight it for me. You tell me what to do and I will do it. He had found his place on his face before God. Joshua was surrendered to God's plans on how to fight the battle. Joshua had surrendered to God and allowed God to determine and command Joshua. He was, he was facing the battle of Jericho. How are we going to get through these walls? 
God, approach, God approaches him, and what does Joshua do? He says, God, it's your battle. I am on my face before you. I, it isn't, I'm not putting input into this. I'm not saying, God, will you please come help me fight Jericho? That's not what Joshua did. Joshua fell on his face before God and said, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? In complete surrender. The problem is we often attempt to achieve spiritual victory in our lives through great effort, strivings, through our tremendous bending our willpower to it, to focusing on it, to exerting ourselves as much as we can to achieve the victory that we know God wants to see in our lives. We're going, to, we're going to make it happen. And we spend time on our knees praying, God, will you help me make this happen? God, will you help me witness to my family member? Yes, we need to be praying that way. But the reason Joshua was confident of victory is not because he had God on his side. The reason Joshua was confident of victory was he was on God's side. He was doing what God was telling him to do. He had surrendered to God and God said, this is what I want you to do. He wasn't saying, God, you know what? I think we should do it this way and I really need your help to make sure this works. I'm the leader. I need the people to be able to follow me. I need to, this first battle is so important. No. Because spiritual victory equals surrender to God. We can never experience spiritual victory in our life without complete and total surrender to God. That means, surrender means giving up on our strategies. How we are going to make this happen. Surrender means submitting to someone else's will. When you surrender... You're saying, you're in charge. What happens to someone who surrenders and says, okay, now that I'm surrendered, I really think you should do this. They say, you haven't surrendered. You're still trying to do it. You haven't given up yet. Someone, I love, no, I don't love wrestling with Joey, my little brother, but he loves wrestling with me. And I wrestle and I put him in a hold and I'll say, you give up yet? Okay, I let go a little bit, and he starts fighting again. He keeps... Don't we do that with God so many times? God desires victory in our lives more than we do. Way more than we do. But it isn't until we say, God, I'm not asking you to be on my side. God, can I be on your side? Because... Joshua needed to defeat Jericho. Yes. But Joshua could not defeat Jericho. God could defeat Jericho. And God was not going to join Joshua in defeating Jericho. Joshua needed to join God. Because God has the plan. God has the power. God alone has the ability to give victory in whatever you are facing today. God knows more than you. God is more powerful than you. If Tom Brady can say, he's the coach and I'm the player, to another human being, 
Why is it that we struggle so much to say, He's God and I'm His creation? He is God and my place is on my face. Not at the strategy planning table. Not at the saying, you know what, I think we can do it this way. And you know what, when we surrender to God, when we are submitted to the will of a holy, all-powerful God, we can be confident of spiritual victory. As we approach each and everything in front of us, we don't have to be afraid of the battle in front of us. Because it's not our battle anymore. It's God's. And you, know, you may be looking at something and saying, this really needs to happen. And God may say, no, this needs to happen first. God could have told Joshua, no, you're going to bypass Jericho. You're going to go to Ai first. But if Joshua was on his face before God, that would have made perfect sense to Joshua. God may have a different plan than what you think or I think right now. But if we are going to experience the victory that God wants in our life, we must be completely surrendered to the will of God. God did not join Joshua. I've said this in fighting against Jericho. Joshua joined God. Every battle we face, every day we live, we need the power of God. And the power of God isn't something we add to our lives. Just let me pour a little on top and everything goes good. A little bit of salt on your food goes a long way. But that isn't the power of God. Just pouring a little bit on top. Let's go. It isn't a nitro tank as you're driving. Hit the power of God. No. You get out of the car and let God drive then you're under the power of God. It isn't God joining you. It's you surrendering to God. Because spiritual victory only comes when we surrender to God. Joshua and the people of Israel were facing Jericho. What are you facing today? How far do you think they would have gotten if Joshua had said, we have a plan? Not very far. Not very far at all. But God gave the leadership to Joshua, and then the people of Israel followed Joshua in obedience to God. You know how they showed their surrender to God? They could say, it's so easy to say, I'm surrendered to God. And then we begin to do our own things. How they showed their surrender to God was through continued obedience to God. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. If they were going to see the spiritual victory God wanted, they had to stay surrendered. Stay obedient to God. Through the entire process. If we want to be confident of victory in our spiritual lives, we must stay submitted and surrendered 
to the will of a holy, all-powerful God. God wants to work, but we must allow Him to work on His will, in His way. Our place is on our face in front of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that the message would have been clear.